2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you know Besser?
3: Check, but the puck comes right to
1: Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! moment's known. To the line. Hughes Take You to the first career NHL goal.
2: Quinn Hughes makes it one nothing. You are listening to Canucks Conversations.
0: Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes
2: and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
3: Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted him in and down Wow. We should do a radio show together.
1: <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
2: What our house Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! We'll we'll public display.
0: Hello, Canucks fans. I'm back. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks conversation delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital Ds. All 100 CONVO CONVODD, that will get you 25% off and free delivery ding dong. on your first order. I, keep for- I don't know what it is about this new studio high above Rogers Arena. I keep forgetting to let you do your ding dong. You
3: can see it right there, the roof. We, we Weren't we just talking about... Oh yeah, let's make sure we don't say things like, look at this. Audio podcast with the people <laughs> on the YouTube. Look at that. You can see the little roof. Right? There's a, I'm following a seagull right now with my finger. Okay. Anyways, go okay. check us out on the YouTube. You can get in the chat, live stuff. We like it. Uh, uh, but Convo got, DD.
0: Yeah, Convo there DD is the DoorDash code, uh, 25% off and free delivery in your first order with the DoorDash app. does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Guadrelli, joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Alex Zillard. We're back in studio. I'm back in studio. I was replaced by a stuffed elephant for a couple days, but I'm back from Edmonton. And man, I got to tell you, looking at this Vancouver skyline behind me, it's nice to be home. Like it is so nice to be home. I, I all the love in the world says Jeez, me, the Oily Board. You hear boys. it in your voice now. <laughs> I'm, I've had I had the joy of covering hockey beat out of me when I was in Edmonton. <laughs>
3: You see, You got your fancy pants on, too. Well,
0: I do have my fancy pants on. People can see that. But that's an exaggeration. I had a good time in Edmonton. Got to hang out with uh, Harmon Dial, which, to be honest with you, was the highlight of my trip. We had a lot of fun. We went to Harvey's. I've talked about it before. But I want to know, what was
3: your experience
0: like of doing a podcast without me in the same room as you?
3: It was good. Lou's a great guy to, to chat with. I normally, I mentioned this on my elephant Lou. He's He's always in the office here. I'm normally chatting with him about things all the time um But uh, it was, it was fine. I get your mic over there though too. What, I don't know what's going on in the Oilers Nation. You got a concert going on in the background every time of the the Nation Network offices. There. I
0: I tell you what, I had to text a few times during the show and say, "Hey, keep it down Shut out there." Shut the hell up! Because there's two studios, but the second one isn't really designed to be a studio, so mm. it has like holes and not holes, but it, you know, there's space in between the top and the bottom of the glass door. Uh, so I could get the uh, noise from the bullpen out there. So I was getting, I was getting loud noises in the uh in the studio that I was in. But the actual studio in the uh, Oily Boys office is is actually like soundproof. So it's pretty nice. But I wasn't in there.
3: Uh, it's nice to see you in person as well. So I can give you crap for going to Harvey's because I can't believe you went to Harvey's still over Harvey's when you get the opportunity and. Listen, I've had Harvey's once, and there's a reason why I've never gone back because okay. it wasn't good. Okay, okay, it wasn't good. The we're only gonna... cool thing about Harvey's is getting to make your burger in front of you. That's the only thing that's fine about that's it. Everything else is the trashiest, the trashiest fast food out there it is Harvey's, and it's not even close. That's an awful take. If you were to build like a board with like an S tier A B C D, near the bottom of the alphabet is where Harvey's goes there. It's the it's not the burgers aren't good They're They sit in the warmer for three hours, of what I heard. Rumor on the street. Not what I'm hearing. Well, you're the one who had it. We I had it and it was delicious. I don't think it was And delicious.
0: I guess t- you know, you keep talking about Arby's. What what do you like at Arby's other
3: than the loaded curly fries? If you have the best single fast food item in the world, you don't need much else. And that's the thing, Arby's they got the meats too, so that's the other thing you go for. You go for the meats. I don't like do you- the meats. I hate to say it. I know bagged milk's gonna give me
0: some some crap about this, but the beef and shed isn't good. It's fine. Okay? It's not. The, the okay. You is say fine. fine. You say fine, but Harvey's is good. No, like, it's not. Harvey's good. is legit. Good. You decorate your burger, however you like. I don't understand why this is such a crazy take. Harmon Dial, uh, boy, genius. Right.
3: Ketchup enthusiast.
0: And he's smart. And he agrees. I'll tell you what. Harmon Dial, he had the chicken sandwiches I talked about in the last show. There you go. Got the uh, Harvey's menu on the screen there for the live, live uh, viewers. And the replay. If you want to go watch the replay, it's on our Nation Network YouTube channel. But I'll tell you what. Harmon put cucumber and ketchup on a chicken sandwich. Like not a fried chicken sandwich I'm not either. Even it that. was like baked chicken and he put cucumber and ketchup and it's funny cuz we had been walking around the mall we were both tired so I didn't even have the energy to like ask him about it or make fun of him for it so I'm not sure if he thought I just missed that but yeah I had to bring that up on the show cucumber and ketchup on uh on a chicken sandwich. It
3: was just there's no world, no dimension uh, that I live, that I would be in where I would just decide to pick Harvey's over <laughs> even McDonald's. Like, I, I would rather have every burger on the McDonald's menu before I would want to have Harvey's. That's insane. That's a, that's a crazy take. Every burger. I'd give me the the McDonald's veggie burger if I have to. You're exaggerating for a Hassan effect. knows it. He's in the chat right now. Hassan says quads and harm have the palate of eight-year-olds. <laughs> that's true that's correct you don't have a refined palate like okay, I do. Like okay okay my... mr refined palate of oh i'll well, take you... mcdonald's or arby's yeah because you won't even go for um uh arby's sauce on top arby's sauce is another little I style arby's sauce
0: on my uh on my loaded curly here's a, now this me? is
3: what a real menu looks like right here alex has got it up here the arby's menu slow roasted beef look at the sandwiches here you go back to the harvey's one you see what's on the harvey's website It's inconsistent photos. They got zoom-ins on burgers. Look at this. One's in the background of these other burgers here on the website. What's going on here? For those on the podcast, our technical producer, Alex Allard, is beautifully switching
0: between the Harvey's and the Arby's menu. We didn't have any of this planned. He's just jumping into action. Got to love the hard work from uh, from Alex Simple, there. elegant, the Arby's menu right there, market
3: fresh, okay. all that okay. good stuff. That's it? enough.
0: That's enough. A lot of people jumping in the live chat. We appreciate you all. Uh, Lisa Martin jumping in saying, woohoo, welcome home, quads. I really appreciate it, Lisa. I'm very happy to be home. Uh, Jarhead said, long time listener, first time catching you guys live. Uh, and then he said, I've been to Edmonton about 15 years ago. Got bored after one night. Yeah, and you know what?
3: Because he didn't go to Harvey's probably. <laughs> he said he got bored. He didn't go to West Edmonton Mall. Quickly before we get into uh, Alex is the dog. Do- Alex's dog for sixty is going up a little bit. Um, I quads for the people on the video. Before we get to the, we got some Canucks stuff to talk about. They played last night. We'll get to that. Uh, but your video, you got a different angle here.
0: Oh yeah. So Shut I like, there I am,
3: there I am right. Big bright me, my face here. I look good as usual. On my well, not like in general, but like for camera wise, yeah. But like your video again, quads not looking that good. I think, and you've switched cameras. I think you can do this live on the show. Why don't you do your little flip back to the other one? Okay, I'm rejoining with a different camera. People get to decide what's the best camera. This one looks worse to me, but yeah, they've never. The the other one's nicer for sure.
0: This camera, this camera is the one that's nicer. I think people are uh, people are going to say that. Alex,
3: you're the producer. What do you think? Can we
0: tilt this one down a bit?
3: Yes, we can. We've got this. There you go. It's just all over you the place. Need to, anyways, all right, let's get to the Canucks stuff. <laughs> okay, well,
0: let's start with the power play, Chris, because obviously the Vancouver Canucks lost last night out of the gate to the Edmonton Oilers and their season opener, the Oilers' home opener. And before we get to the game, can I just say, obviously I was in attendance for that game, not a big deal. The press box is very spacious, very nice press box. But I just wanted to say that pregame ceremony that they did for Ben Stelter, that was legitimately moving and I'm sure it came through on the TV as well. But I I found myself getting a little bit choked up and, you know, stuff doesn't usually get to me like that. Like, um, you know, stuff like that doesn't usually get to me, but I think just uh, with everything that Ben had been through and how all of that was public and how, you know, the hockey world really rallied around Ben. It wasn't just Oilers fans. It wasn't just the Edmonton Oilers team themselves. It was the hockey world, right? And again, it was just super, super moving moment to see, especially uh, his parents get put up on the Jumbotron and them uh, fighting back years and whatnot. It was just, and, and then the Ben chart, I'm not, I get chant. I'm not sure if that came through on the television, but yeah, the Ben chant um, as there was kind of that uh, moment where we were asked to remember Ben. And I'll tell you what, like, Everybody in the press box was standing up uh, during that uh, that uh, ceremony for Ben, and it was just, yeah, it was it was uh, it was really really cool to see. And I think when you saw someone pointed this out, when you saw McDavid's face staring up at the jumbotron, it he didn't look like it was bugging him. He looked like he was obviously sad, but he also looked like he had the mindset of we're gonna win this game for Ben. And you know that's what the Oilers did. And again, this is the Canucks conversation, so I don't want to talk about it too much. But I gotta say, before we get into that game. That ceremony was just absolutely beautiful.
3: I thought. Yeah, I think so too. And it, it did come through on the television. Yeah, uh, I mean, throughout the broadcast. As well, I mean, even in the post game here in Connor McDavid talking about it. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think you know, kind of nice for you to be there in person and see. I'm sure that was a great moment yeah. for for Oilers fans and and to see his parents. Yeah, obviously a horrible situation, but I tell you, like you know, it, it was really good what the Oilers did for that kid. Um, in the situation he was put into, I think just oh, giving yeah. him a really. You know a really good few months there at least uh yeah to exactly appreciate the rest of life but yeah unfortunate situation we'll move on a little bit but before I, I brought it up the rogers place there is absolutely gorgeous i think from the outside it's like one of the nicest um mm-hmm. you know kind of that little uh you pull the drone out alex we're working on getting alex a drone actually he's going to come up outside the window here um and he's going to as we got the fire alarm going off in here um uh, so i think that uh just watch sorry i'm a little rattled here the, uh, <laughs> The fire alarm uh, is testing right now. I forgot about that's going on today. Hopefully, you can't hear that too bad in the background. Um, anyways, Roger's Place. Well, hang on a sec, because the
0: guy, there's a guy on in the intercom in Faber's apartment saying, please don't be alarmed. The
3: fire bells will ring. <laughs> oh, it's, it's <laughs> the test. fire bells are going to go off during the show. No, well, they came in here yesterday, and they were checking it out. Well, they just said they're going to ring. So, we're going to get it at some point. Well, okay. Then we got to, I got to drop the, sorry, I got to do this live here on the show. I got to drop, uh, I got to drop this back camera and close the door then. Cause yeah, <laughs> so my fire alarm's right here outside the door. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a live podcast, folks.
0: This is such a live podcast. This is
3: brutal. Okay. Well, they came in here yesterday and they're blowing smoke around my apartment here, testing everything. And now they got to wow, do now it. Now it sounds really echoey. We got we got to talk a little quieter, I think. And then we'll have to pick it up when the fire alarm The shot next great, up. too. Sure. <laughs> Back shot a favorite. Oh no, that's the not podcast good. listeners
0: are just so confused. So let's let's just let's just wrap this up. Let's talk now about that game because I think the really interesting thing about no, this no before game, I Chris, got one
3: final thing sure. to wrap up the food we got hawking talk about. But how good was the food at uh, at Rogers Place, brand new arena? Right? Did nice. you see the prices there? No, I know it, it went we know viral, that, but for you know people that are, Can you hear it? You hear the fire alarm?
0: Okay, enough about the fire alarm. You okay. can't hear it. It's good.
3: People might be able hear to hear it. if you don't talk, so talk. Okay, sorry. Um uh, just like press food, you know, because I what well, I'm okay. doing and I'm gonna do this on my Instagram sure. here a lot more. You can follow it's the same uh same Twitter as or same handle as my Twitter at Chris Favor thirty yeah, yeah. nine going to do a lot of uh, like pre-game meals what they have at the intermission I'm going to try and uh, get that on the the old Instagram they're trying to do more with Instagram. Okay, so the press box meal was fantastic. They bring it. they brought out
0: pizza in the second period and they also had, you know, chocolate and chips just before the game just ready to go. Tell you what, Rogers Arena press box ain't got nothing on it, I'll, I'll be honest with you. and I didn't have the press box meal because they don't serve it in the press box. There's like a separate media dining lounge on the bottom floor before you go up in the press box. So it is a really nice facility, don't get me wrong. It is cold. It is cold in that
3: rink. All right, let's get to the, the on-ice stuff, speaking of cold stuff in the rink. Yeah, so uh, a couple things. Yeah, let's start with the Canucks and the Power Pool. You wanted to bring it up before yeah. I cut you off. One for eight on the night. Yeah, that's uh, not good really Vancouver enough. Canucks. I tell you what, it felt like... It felt like to me the Canucks were on the power play for what felt like a good, like the whole middle chunk of the game felt like they had the power play, and it just wasn't able to get much going. I mean, I liked the look of Kuzmenko there, obviously scoring a goal on the night. That was really nice. I thought that he worked well. I just thought that they were trying to push the puck to Bo Horvat too much and weren't moving. Like you could see it. It's so obvious to see when you're watching a team like the Edmonton Oilers on the power play of like, look at what movement does. Look at what movement and one touch passing does. How how good was that one Edmonton Oilers power play goal? It was incredibly quick. Face off, bang, bang, bang. Couple touch passes because of the movement. Creates the opportunity for a quick, easy goal for Connor McDavid. Canucks, again, the same thing that we've seen for a long time. They have the skilled players in the right position, but they certainly just were not moving in the right way to kind of generate any real scoring chances. And the Oilers knew what they wanted to take away. They took away Bo Horvath, right? He couldn't get anything going on the power play. Yeah, and you know we're
0: going to talk about it because he has his own heading on this show, the Bull War that, uh discussion that we're going to have but he couldn't really get anything going at five on five either right like it was it was a tough game for Bo Horvath, and we'll talk about it in a sec but uh someone jumped in the chat here Hassan Ahmed jumped in and said what's the main thing wrong with the power play thought the puck movement looked good at times but not enough traffic in front what did you guys think I actually agree with that I think it really did come down to not enough traffic in front I don't think that was a problem with Andre Kuzmenko but I also didn't think the second power play unit looked to mesh very well and Look, I, I think there's a case to be made for Niels Hoaglander or Tanner Pearson, one of those two guys, coming off the second power play unit in favor of Vasily Podkolzin. You've got to get Vasily Podkolzin some touches with the man advantage. I think he's too good of a play driver not to have there. I actually think Pearson's fine on the power play. And again, like I had this conversation with Harmon last night is that, look, like maybe Podkolzin's a better option than Nils Hoaglander on the power play. But with Hoaglander, who I'm sure we'll talk about, kind of struggled a bit at 5-on-5. Five five. I think to get his confidence up, you want to put him in, in situations where he can succeed. And for a very offensively-minded player like Hoaglander, that's on the power play. Like He's going to find success if you give him enough opportunities on the power play. I just wonder about... Okay, if your power play goes one for eight, how many times are you willing to wait for Niels Hoglander to, you know, find that confidence and get it going on the power play? And again, th- th- this is not to say that Niels Huglander was the problem with the Canucks' power play last night. There was a lot of different things uh, that didn't work for them. And again, like we're going to be talking about it for a while, I think, because it's gonna you're going to be able to see what makes a successful power play for the Canucks versus what makes it go one for eight like it did last night. And you know, kind of as Hassan pointed out. I liked the movement on the power play. I thought the puck movement was good on the first power play unit, but I think just the number of chances that they generate, especially, you know, high danger chances, it just wasn't enough. And again, credit to the Oilers' penalty killers to some extent, but I think the like you said, it, it does come down to movement largely and, you know, like even that that goal you brought up, pretty passing play, but because it was so pretty and because they made those passes in such quick succession, you know, four Canucks penalty killers closed in on Leon Dreisidel, who made the pass to a wide open Connor McDavid. Like, you know, you didn't see the Canucks making any plays like that. You know what I mean? And again, I know the Oilers uh, are are going to have a red hot power play, but the Canucks should as well, right? Like, the Canucks should have a good power play this season. And what I found really interesting, Chris, was that uh, there was a point at in the game where, even though he had a really strong game. You know they tried Brock Besser on the first power play unit in Andre Kuzmenko's spot, right? And I I just found that interesting because you and I have had that conversation of how long is it until Besser's back on that unit? And I'll tell you what, it may not be Kuzmenko's fault; thought he had a good game, but if the power play keeps going one for eight or keeps having these games
3: like this where we're having to analyze what went wrong, they're going to change things up soon. Yeah, I mean, I mean one game like that obviously isn't. Uh going to tell the rest of the season yeah. how things are going to go but i mean going 1 for 8 should be noted it has to be talked about i mean that is what cost the Vancouver Canucks last night was watching the Oilers score more goals than the Vancouver Canucks did on the power play while still having just half the opportunities on the power play um two other situations I want to bring up is the Brock Besser penalty on the power play that ends up you know getting you know taking away the advantage as well as Tanner Pearson uh, with the high stick so those two situations not great for the Vancouver Canucks in the spot that it did for their power play But to me, like, yeah, the puck movement, I agree um, with whoever it was in the chat. They're saying the puck movement looks fine. Like, I I do think it's there. It's just it is interesting to watch how the puck is funneled towards the net. And maybe we don't see enough of that right now. Or just doing it in the right direction where, yes, listen, we know the Canucks love to get the puck to Bo Horvat. But teams that do a half-decent job scouting the Canucks' power play are going to be able to take that away, right? Yeah. And Pedersen, I think, is going to be a very big key moving forward here where – Yes, I like I think JT Miller does a lot. He does a ton on the power play. He's a guy who's going to probably make a lot of first assists on this power play. But if Pedersen can really start to show that he is more than just the one-timer there, like that's going to be huge for me. And I think we saw a little bit in preseason, like you remember the power play goal he scored uh in Edmonton with the wrist shot yes. coming down the right wing. You know, mix that in a little bit more. We've seen him make a really good uh kind of like wrist shot pass down to Kuzmenko. I think that's going to work as well. Uh but I do think that it's it was a lot of the same that we saw last year where um, you know, Jarhead brought it up. Just doesn't look like they have the urgency, right? And I think that's a way to look at it. I think that that's a struggle because you know the skill, right? You know how much skill you have on that unit. You just need a little bit more of that urgency to get to that point. Uh, and Sonny DeMott uh, says, I think Pedersen needs to touch the puck more in the power play. I think I'm there too. Like, I, I think him having options now... Because Kuzmenko for that backdoor tap-in, uh, pretty much just on the right side of the crease. Mm-hmm. Um, from Pedersen shooting it from the other side of the ice, I think that's going to be huge. Um, I just think that I saw the confidence early on from Elias Pedersen. And I was like, man, I, I want him to be the guy yes. handling the puck the most here on the power play.
0: Yeah, and, and here's another really interesting thing, Chris, is I don't know if it comes down to maybe they didn't have the, most, the highest number of preseason games together or what exactly it was, but... Quinn Hughes was missing Elias Pettersson with the one timers, right? And that's something those two have worked on a lot. You see Elias Pettersson out late at practice practicing his one timer. It, it, it's it's known to everybody where he likes that puck, and it didn't seem like Quinn Hughes could really get it to him with the proper timing, with the proper placement. Like Elias Pettersson, by my count, had one or two. One-timed opportunities. He missed the net on both of them, and you know some of those will start to go in eventually, and that'll help the power play, obviously. But look, like I, I think there was like five or six passes that just either missed him or he had to settle them down, and then had to kind of send it back to Hughes, uh, whatever it was. Attempted power or one-timed opportunities that had to get sent back to Hughes or or moved around, like. That's not good. You you want Quinn Hughes to be able to feed Elias Pedersen those one-timers, and usually it's something he's really good at. So I'm really curious to see kind of how that develops. And yeah, like uh, Sonny DMOT jumped in the chat and said, you want Elias Pedersen to have more touches. I'd say yeah. he was, uh, you know, Andre Kuzmenko, there's a case to be made for, but Elias Pedersen was
3: probably the Canucks' best forward last night. Quickly before, I want to get to Kuzmenko in a second here, but two points first. Do you think it was more... The Canucks losing that game last night. Is it more on the power play going one for eight or the penalty kill only being able to stop two of four? Because listen, you lose the special teams battles. A lot of those games where you lose the special teams battles, you lose the game. And I don't know if that's hundred percent. The reason why I think just looking at it from like a goals perspective, probably not like the Oilers beating you two to one in the power play battle. That's that's going to happen to a lot of teams, but going one for eight Like, that's why I look at the power play as more of the problem than the penalty kill. And listen, the penalty kill was 50% last night. I'm not saying they were good. I just think the Canucks, you know, going one for eight on the power play is massive. On a thing where, listen, if the Canucks are going to get to the playoffs, it's going to be on the back of Thatcher Demko, and it's going to be on the back of the five guys in that first power play unit. Mm -hmm. Last night it showed where, yes, Thatcher Demko did a, a hell of a lot, kept this team in it for sure. It was the power play, I think, that let them down, even more than the penalty kill that went just two for four last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that you need your power play to be good, especially with the way the Canucks are built, right? It's no secret, right? And again, like, you bring up the penalty killers. Is 50% against the Oilers that bad? You're going to have nights where that happens, right? You are. You're going to have nights where that happens. Like, don't take penalties, right? I mean, obviously, the Oilers took a lot more penalties, but... Good teams, especially ones with good power play units like we've been talking about the Canucks having, make teams pay when they take stupid penalties. And the Oilers did enough of that last night. Quickly wanted to mention, uh, Darnell Nurse got fined for his late hit on Kyle Burrows. Not, 5, much to, not
3: much more not much to say on that. He got fined $5,000. Darnell uh, Nurse gets paid $5,000 to enter the building at, at Roger's place. So the five, <laughs> the $5,000 dollars did not do anything for him. Got an interesting one in the chat here, by the way. Join us on YouTube. I know there's some people on uh, on Twitter right now watching live, but join us on the YouTube here, 1 o'clock uh, Monday to Friday. Troy brings up, outside the usual power play lineups, who needs a shot other than Pod Coles in? Garland seems like an interesting option for net front or presence with how shifty he is. And I, yeah. I like it too, because like, you know, I just think of the like I want thing I want you to try things on the power play, look a little different, have that movement, do something like to me, Connor Garland drags you into that battle of like doing different things and trying new things on the power play. I would like to see it one day, and I think he's also a player who who really is always gonna put up a ton of points at five on five he will put up points if he gets a power play opportunity, but he doesn't really. I don't know. It's like right now, he doesn't really fit in that spot until things, unless we see a couple more of these one for eight games for this power play unit, I don't think Garland's going to get that shot.
0: I'll tell you what. I've said it before. I'll say it again, folks. Tyler Myers at the net front position. Give it to me all day. On the second unit. On the second unit. Sure. Well, hey,
3: first unit's not clicking. Tyler Myers is your net front presence? I'm going to go with Connor Garland first before <laughs> I start throwing Tyler Myers out on PP one. Sure, that's for but but sure. PP
0: two, uh, Tyler Myers. That's my pick. All uh, right. Last so we, thing in the chat here, Kevin Punter jumped in, made a really good point. Oilers power play
3: was at fifty percent until December last year. Yeah, well, the Canucks' PK was at fifty yeah. percent until December last year too. It was so worse than that. Quite the matchup uh, yeah. set up there by the yeah. NHL for opening night.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Let's get to something that I think we both really liked, obviously. Uh, Andre Kazmenko really had a nice debut. Scores a goal, yeah. obviously. It was the first Vancouver Canuck to score a power play goal in his NHL debut. Um, Obviously, he's 26 years old. It's not the similar spot, but this is the stat I wanted to bring up, and Alex has already got it up here. I love it. Andre Kuzmenko with a terrific Corsi in his NHL debut, 81% at 5-on-5. I thought it was just an excellent showing. That line looked really good together. I was a little curious to see. like Huglander at times, I think, um, wasn't helping that line. I don't think he was hurting it as bad as he could have if he had a really bad game. He just didn't have a good game, and I thought Kuzmenko and Pedersen, for the most part, Played a really good game, specifically at 5-on-5. Five five. Like, I think Pedersen was at his best last night at 5-on-5 five five compared to what he was like on the power play.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And watching Kazmenko, this stat is crazy. So, he plays 18 minutes and 4 seconds last night in his NHL debut. And listen, he spent a lot of time on the power play as well. I think it's something like 6 minutes on the power play. Um, and I think it was something close to 10 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. But think about this as your NHL debut. Your team gets 33 shot attempts with you on the ice and only 5 shot attempts against. So he basically spent the whole game in the offensive zone aside from like five shot attempts against that's wild and just a uh, you know a really good start for Kuzmenko. Jar Jarhead's in here saying Kazmenko 50 and 50 calling it here
0: <laughs> that's awesome hopefully it's the first 50 uh Earl Sports and it's going to be making a graphic for sure they better I swear 50 and 50 or 50 and what it what was it for Matthews it was actually like 50 and 65, but it was the last 50 games. Oh, they, they had all the graphics ready for him. <laughs> they
3: were ready to go. Okay. What, speaking of uh, top players in the league, Alex has got the other one here. Um, the matchups, because everyone's like, oh, Kazmenko didn't really have a tough night of matchups last night. Um, this is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl playing together. When they were playing together, they played a minute against uh, minute and four seconds against Kazmenko. Connor McDavid without Leon Dreisaitl played a minute 28 against Kizmenko uh Leon Draysidel played 28 seconds without McDavid against the Kuzmenko line uh and then Kuzmenko uh, w- away from McDavid and Draysidel had 6 minutes and 22 seconds and if you look at these stats here no matter what matchup it was if it was Connor and Leon or if it was just Connor just Leon or neither of them Kuzmenko had better production and spent more time in the offensive zone against all of those different situations so yeah he didn't get a tough matchup of playing you know 10 like 10 minutes of 5 on 5 time against uh that dynamic duo but Really held his own. And you could see when he was even away from McDavid and Leon, 10 attempted shots and only two against. So really good performance uh, from that. Because line at 5-on-5 five five to start the year.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay. I just wanted to quickly
0: mention uh, the Statsies is up. So is the first stanches up at Canucks Army. And I was reading the Statsies and... Andre Kuzmenko 4 was the Corsi or what? king. No, I, I did it this morning. Andre Kuzmenko was the Corsi king in that game. No surprise. But another guy who had a good game by the numbers and by the eye test as well, Tucker Pullman. I thought Tucker Pullman had a good game. Like I I didn't I'm not even gonna say like Tucker Pullman had an okay game. He had a good game. And he was also a chaos agent as well. Because you know, he likes to drive the net for some reason. I think a few people are scratching their heads at that. Maybe you like to see him cut that out a little bit. But in terms of defensive play, hell, even this first pass out of the zone or moving
3: the puck in his own zone... Probably the best I've seen from Tucker Pullman in a Canucks uniform. There was a there was a run where he had back to back shifts against McDavid and like shut him down twice in the corner, yeah. disrupted him twice, uh, and then he gets scored on like the next shift. So like not not the greatest thing, but like not the best tell game, you what. but he
0: he played well. And again, this is a guy that I was really critical of in the preseason. I've been critical of Tucker Pullman since he signed with the Canucks. I I've never seen a game like I did last night from Tucker Pullman where I actually thought he played a good game. Like, I'll be honest. I, that's why I had that take of maybe it's time to just send Tucker Pullman down because you don't want to lose a guy like Kyle Burrows on waivers. And obviously uh, injuries kind of made that a moot point, but I, I di- I was impressed with Tucker Pullman last night.
3: Yep. I thought he was good. It was one of the, the better games you'll see from Pullman. I hope you see a lot more of those this season. I, you bring up the offensive part of Tucker Pullman's game. It is so mysterious to me. Like Tucker Pullman's shot from the point looks like it's got some pace to it, but like it never hits the net. He's always like going towards the crease, but he's never going to get his stick on well, the puck. Well, like, he like he
0: shoots and then follows it up like he's playing bump. Yeah, he, like, he skates right <laughs> after his shot.
3: He's got a couple of things in his game where you're like, wow, if, if he could just like get his stick on the puck at any point in the offensive zone, he might be able to like score yeah, a Yeah, He's here. trying to get the rebound himself. He shoots one from the point and then goes to the net to get the rebound. Betway yesterday had Tucker Pullman. I almost took this bet. At as the if he scores the first goal of the game $1 you put a dollar down turns into 100 100 to 1 odds that Tucker Pullman is the first goal scorer like i'm going to start putting some money down on it if uh, if Pullman keeps like driving to the net and that's the thing like it's the very start of the game the play you mentioned where he goes to the net and just like even like doesn't even look at the shot coming towards the net he's just staring at the goalie as he skates into the crease um but yeah i thought Tucker Pullman uh, yeah a positive first game of the season for, for a guy like Tucker Pullman, who, yes, there's a lot of questions in the off season. Is this guy even healthy? What's going to happen here moving forward? Let's flip the script again. we flipped a couple times here from negative to positive. Let's go back to negative. Bo Horvat. I, man, we've, we've kind of chatted about it a little bit in the past couple of weeks here of like, is this the right captain for this team? Is Bo Horvat going to be the long-term fit with the C on his chest? He's got a contract right now that expires after this season you're going to have to guess at the camp. And I think from all reports that we've seen so far, the camp's looking somewhere in the seven millions. Yeah. You have a game yesterday where Bo Horvat as the captain of this team lets his team down. I think at certain times and isn't able to, to me, be what a captain should be and not let your team lose a three nothing lead. Yeah. You, I, I put a lot of onus on a captain in that spot. I know maybe it's, it's the old school way of maybe thinking about it, but I tell you what, you're the captain of that team. You got to be as engaged as Elias Petterson was at the end of the period when Kyle Burrows takes a shot. Petterson is up, standing up, pointing at the play, screaming at the ref. It doesn't need to be like that—that uh, that exuberant with your with your emotions, but it needs to at least have a, a give a bleep meter there. And to me, that's just how I felt with with Bo Horvat last night. That it wasn't there. Like it wasn't there. He, you could like it's three nothing, and I bet he's already thinking about you know what am I going to say in the post game? It's like oh you know we hate to see it lose. Like I, I'm tired of hearing what this you know, that things are unacceptable because obviously like the word unacceptable means nothing to me after what we heard last year in so many post games from Bo Horvat sure. saying how many things were unacceptable because that word means nothing to me. Yeah. Like unacceptable is literally a word I'm taking out of my vocabulary with how often that these, these type of things happen to the Vancouver Canucks and Bo Horvat mentioned that it was not going to happen again. Like you need to step up as the captain of this team and do something. And to me, it's very interesting now Listen, you could have the debate even last season people talking about, it, should he be the captain? If you lock up JT Miller a long time, is he the guy you want? I'll tell you, Quinn Hughes to me has really emerged as a guy who's been more of a leader. I go back to the end of the year availability watching Quinn Hughes step up in a very in a very tough moment with Brock Besser dealing with some of the questions that was asked of him and having to leave the the stage that day. I'd look at the guy who stepped up to handle that situation, was Quinn Hughes. And I know that's completely different from hockey, but that's also a leadership thing right there too. Sure. So I think Quinn Hughes is a guy that could potentially be a captain moving forward. And I'll tell you what, he, you know, maybe a better option to me. I just, I think as a captain, watching what Bo Horvat did last night, I think there needs to be more accountability when you have that C on your chest.
0: (laughs) One game into the season, and
3: you're talking about stripping the C from But I've seen this in preseason. We've seen this all last season. No, you're right, you're right. You know, I'm not going to let this happen, right? Like, you're right.
0: That's not there in his game. Sure, but... To, you know, and Hassan Ahmed jumped in the chat, made a good point. He said, unfair to blame Bo for the whole loss, but he's got no excuses this year. He's got good wingers. He's on power play one. Pod set up Horvat for at least two to three grade A chances. You got to bury them. And again, that is a really good point. That last night, you wanted to see Bo Horvat, A, lead his team to locking down that win. But again, you got to convert your chances too, right? And again, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to score in the National Hockey League, but that's what you're paid to do, right? And... On the power play, again, we kind of mentioned it, what what went wrong with the power play. There was a lot of feeds to Beau Some Some of them weren't great passes that he kind of bobbled and then lost. But I think the thing that really stuck out to me and stood out to me, and I was going to tweet this, but I was sitting next to Dan Murphy, and he made a good point that I should probably watch a replay before I tweet it. But I did watch a replay, and I kind of stand by it. wish I tweeted it. But on that goal, where Elias Patterson turns over the puck at the blue line, at the Edmonton blue line. And it leads to a three-on-one against. That could have been a three-on-two. It may have even not been an offensive chance for the Oilers, but you you pointed this on Twitter too. I saw it all over. People were upset about the play. Bo Horvat kind of swings his stick and doesn't back-check. Like, it was kind of like, well, this, is a, this play's over. And I, I know it was probably partly because he was the one that turned over the puck, but we've seen Elias Pettersson when he doesn't turn over the puck, when it's not him. He's hustling just as hard. Elias Pettersson looked almost surprised. Like, there was almost a split second of, you're not going to rush back? Okay, I got to go. And then he took off and he passed Bo Horvat, who, again, didn't really back check on that goal. And I saw fans being very critical of Bo on that play on Twitter and, you know, the 650 postgame show and everything I saw. Fans were very upset about that. But I just wanted to point out that, yeah, it looked like there was almost a moment of Elias Pettersson being stunned that the captain of this team... Wasn't going back. And again, I'm not trying to be dramatic because that sounds so dramatic, but that's what I saw. Like it, I literally saw Elias Petterson almost kind of look at Bo like, oh, okay, you're not going. I got to go. And then he took off and, you know, he slams the door shut 100%. That's because he turned over the puck and it resulted in a goal. But again, like we, we talk about, you know, the give a bleep meter. Elias Patterson's give a bleep meter has been on high since the preseason and it's not going to be turning down
3: anytime soon. I look at it as like, if you're a captain of a team and you're not the best player, you're not the second best player, probably not the third, you're probably somewhere in the top five on this team. I don't think Corvette's a top three player here. I know I'm taking Patterson am taking Hughes, I'm taking Miller, I'm taking Demko. I'm, you know, potentially even taking some other names like Brock Besser kind of mixed in there or heck Andre Kuzmenko now making a push with how good he started. But if you're not the best player on this team and you're the captain, you need to be emotionally the leader. That's what I look at this in this situation. And I think this is why you see so many teams have their captain be their best player. They are the ones who are leading them. They are putting up the points. They are on the penalty kill. They are on the power play. Bo is in those roles, but he's not the guy who's really relied upon when you're at five on five to To have this team win games. It's not like the reliance is there on Bo Horvat. To me, as a captain, if you're not the best player and you're not the big point producer, you need to be the reason why the team isn't able to come back from a 3 nothing lead on you. You need to be the guy who you mentioned that play has to be 100% head down, playing good defense, having the effort level. To steal a quote from Horvat, it's unacceptable from what we see to not give 100% effort level as the captain in a game that you're losing a three nothing lead into, sure. Just play devil's advocate a little bit because it's
0: always important that we you know look at both sides of this. Because Jar had jumped in the chat said, "I wonder how much of Bo's play is affected by his contract status, not wanting to get injured." It's a fair point, but the point that I really want to make, Chris, is that you know people are expecting Bo to run through a wall, and you know, like like Jar had kind of pointed out, risk injury, all that sort of stuff in a contract year, and really affect his livelihood going forward, right? people are expecting him to run through a wall when he's been a leader for this team. He's been the captain of this team and you know, he stuck it through all of the bad years when he had horrible wingers, which is basically every season prior to this, but Horvat not once complained about the wingers or the roster construction that he was put out there with, like this is a good soldier for your team. And he's going out there year after year. He's being trotted out to talk to the media post game and you know, answer for why the teams, when the teams were really bad, why they were really bad and why they were losing games. And you know, what's he supposed to say? Right. And again, all I'm trying to say is that Bo Horvat has been a very good player for this organization for a while. And it wouldn't shock me to learn that, you know, maybe he's feeling a little bit disrespected by these contract talks. Right. And again, I'm not trying to suggest that Bo isn't trying because he's you know, doesn't have a contract, but it might kind of be a subconscious thing where you're like, well, I can't believe they're treating me like this.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah, as much as Bo and his agent are going to say that the contract isn't going to affect him or it's not going to be on his mind, it, at some point it's crossing your mind. Like, You can't tell me he's going to go 82 games of not having this cross his mind. I think it's there every day probably. I, I think this is a spot where, yes, the contract is going to be an interesting one to play out here. I don't think you should lock up Horvat into somewhere in the seven millions. I, I think that's too much money for what you're going to have to use for this team to really start to develop into a competitive team. I think it's great to have three deep centers down the middle, but investing that much money with a Petterson, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? A raise here for Petterson yeah. coming down the road. It's tough. Like I, I, I that's why I think like if you're going to pay this guy $7 million last night's not a good step in the right direction for it. Right, sure. like that's that's not the type of player I'm wanting to pay seven million dollars. And yes, he you know he even puts up a point, so it's like okay, well, cool. He adds in a point. I don't know. I I just have not been impressed with Horvat in, in the preseason, um, in the past at times, and I just think something about this year is looking a little bit different. The way I'm looking at the team getting closer to being a playoff team, mm-hmm. I think that there should be a real reevaluation. Of Bo Horvat here with the Vancouver Canucks. Listen, he's gone through. You're right. Like he's he's been a good soldier. He's been through a lot of really tough times with this Vancouver Canucks team, and he's answered the media every day about it. There's times where we we probably talked to him five times a week, right? When when this team was real down bad, and it, it, it to me, it's like with the new management group, I think they're it's their right that they should reevaluate. And if you're reevaluating, and now you're in a contract discussion. I think that plays into the reevaluation as well, because now you're not looking back at the last contract that Bo Horvat was on where it's like, yeah, he was making good money, wasn't making star money. If he's looking for seven plus million dollars, he's starting to look for star money. And if you reevaluate Horvat, is he going to be an actual star for your team moving forward? Even with, you know, Pedersen and Miller being there ahead of him in the depth chart. Some great
0: points being made in the live chat by you as well. Uh, Chris, But uh, Hassan said, Faber, I don't think you need to be the best player to be the captain. Landeskog is probably the fourth best player on this team, yeah, and but he's dude, a great captain. But
3: look at what Landeskog does in playoff games. Yeah, sure. Right, And maybe, listen, Horvat. Very Bay Horvat. Yeah. Horvat looks great in playoff games as well. But I think throughout the season, there's a reason why the Nathan McKinnons respect Gabriel Landeskog so much. It's the way that he plays. It's the way that he leads. He's not letting his team lose a 3-0 lead. Right. He's going to be the guy who, you know... Builds the wall to stop that comeback. I, I just think that I look at the way that Landis Cog plays the game. I would take that all the time. And I think that's the reason why stars like Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, they respect him in that spot.
0: Uh, L. Jim kind of added on to this and said, yeah, Landis Cog would also run through a wall for yeah, his team, exactly. though. And we've got a poll question up uh, in the chat here from the Nation Network uh, account. Uh, would you sign, because it was posed by a, by a commenter, would you guys sign Bo for 6.25 by 8? Like eight years is a lot for Bo Horvat and further to five isn't
3: horrible. Everything I just said, you know, you pay this guy $6.25 million. It's its, it's like, is he worth that? You can have a conversation, but I think you, you still have to watch how this team's evolving, right? This isn't going, you don't want this team to be the stagnant team that hasn't gone and done anything in the playoffs. There's a lot of the same players that have been here for this team when they've been just bad. Yep. so do you that's what I'm talking about the reevaluation so, process here so further to
0: this another person jumped and I in the and chat.
3: be honest 6.25 times eight man I tell you you're looking at year five six seven eight you're, yeah you're like wow that's really nice with the cap going up so I think you really do have to consider this at that point point. 6.25 I'm absolutely going for yeah but it's still to me you reevaluate what that means for this team
0: yeah exactly still yeah uh another point being made here again by Hassan um, just that if Bo feels disrespected, he should go out there and show the Canucks and every team in the NHL that he's an elite two C not coasting. We were talking about this earlier, Chris, his agent, Pat Morris was on Donnie and Dolly today called Bo a one C didn't look like a one C last night.
3: I'll tell you that, especially on this team. There's something we'll transition here. Yeah, near we'll, the end we'll wrap the it up. We'll go to a different captain. This is what I want to see more of. You got to have more of this inside of you. Alex, you can pull this up. This is what our next guy, he's got a ton of this inside of him. Boom. That's what yeah. I, you just want to see a little bit of dog in Bo Horvat. Last sure. night, I got the rate I'm working on. People have been asking for, they want the dog per 60. They stat. want my equation behind the dogs per 60 because I measured it last night. Horvat's at the bottom of it for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm working on the the formula here. It's tough. I haven't done math in a long time, but dog per 60, this next guy, let's just quickly bring this up. I don't think. Well, let me bang out a prospects report, then we'll finish with uh, sure. with Chase Waters. Nothing happened in, in prospects world today. Connor <laughs> Lockhart plays at four o'clock. Philip Johansson, who by the way, this show he is a star here. He's a big of a star, pretty much as Lou is too. Lou's a pretty big star, but Philip Johansson is a bigger star on this team. Lou is he he wants to get more TV time. Maybe he'll get that down the road. But Philip Johansson, he had assists today in the SHL. Good to see. You. Elias Pedersen also. D. P. D. hopped in and he played seventh uh, pairing seventh defenseman on his SHL team. Uh, let's get to the news a little bit as well uh, with chase waters let me pull up a picture of him here. Look at this good kid. Good Saskatchewan kid. Got a nice fish right there. Chase waters. He is the new captain of the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, the first captain in Abbotsford Canucks history. Shocker to me that local boy, Noah Julson from Abbotsford. They love this kid. They love this chase waters kid, man. I know Ryan Johnson is a huge fan of him. They love his leadership quality. He's only in his second year as a pro, but he was a three year captain uh in the WHL with the Saskatoon Blades there. Put the C beside it. That's what I'm talking about right there. This is uh this is just a great leadership. I mean, qualities in this kid's game are, are off the charts. This this Saskatoon is Saskatoon Blades captain
0: for three years, number retired by the team. Just you hear about this anytime uh, you talk about Chase Waters with anybody,
3: is you know, the leadership, the hard work, all of that sort he's of stuff. He's excellent. We're gonna try and get him on the show here pretty soon because he's he's an awesome interview as yeah. well. Um, and he's got that dog in him, Alex. Pull it up, pull it up, Alex. He's got a lot of this in him. Podcast yeah.
0: listeners, I apologize for my co-host once again, but it was a X-ray of a
3: rib cage with a dog poking. Yeah, up at Alex the side is of it. look at Alex is Alex's dog for six. He's going look at a bounce in between the all photos right, here. Right. Enough, an enough job. Give us the betway wrap up. Let's get out of here. Coming over on the YouTube, um, our betway. You know what? I didn't get to a bet uh, today. I'll tell you what bet take. Okay, Tucker Pullman. To drive
0: the net six times in a game. That's not a real bet, but go check out Betway. We'll bring a real bet. $200
3: bonus still going on uh, on Betway.com. Completely forgot a bet today. I'm all fandangled up here. You'll me up from the airport. Yeah. By the way, quickly, Abbotsford uh, Abbotsford kicks off their season tomorrow, Friday night uh, in Ontario. And we'll have coverage of that courtesy of Cody Sievertson on CanucksArmy.com. All right. Well, I'm, I'm covering it too. So. Um, Maybe I'll be at uh, another website then. Uh, But uh, yeah, they start Friday against Ontario, then Saturday against Bakersfield. Remember, Linus Carlson's down there now too. So there's a name to watch when you're watching AHL hockey. But Chase Waters, uh, moving into being the captain of the Avonsford Canucks. Love the move there. I think it's going to be good. Get this kid an NHL deal. Doesn't have an NHL contract. Uh, Give him one. I I think he might be able to push down the road if he develops and continues to do his thing. He's a fourth line center down the road. Call up option to play 4C for you. Yeah. Five goals and thirteen assists through sixty games last year, but again, rookie season. But he's we found out today he's three days older than I am. And he doesn't get scored on. When he's on the ice, right. he doesn't get scored on eighth in the HL last year, plus minus. Tell me the plus minus stat doesn't matter. Maybe that's I don't how care. You- Plus minus is getting into the dog per 60 formula. Yeah, I was going to okay? say, you got
0: to add uh, chances against in the dog per 60. All right,
3: let's wrap things up here. We're yeah. getting the uh, Alex's in our ears screaming at us. we got the fire <laughs> alarm going off. All right, we'll wrap things up. You close it out here. I, I screwed up the, the closeout last week on, or yesterday on the show here. Yeah. I forget how the show went.
0: All right. For my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Alex Allard, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation.
2: What up, Lou? Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversations. Delivered
1: by DoorDash.
3: Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?